0: Things that I've preached on uh, I've had a pretty good idea uh, at least a week or two before I, I spoke as to what I was going to be speaking about and even about as little as four or five days ago I was still not sure what I was going to be saying up here in regard to in regard to this and uh, in, in regard to this topic it was stuff and most of what actually God showed me he showed me like in the last two days so it was like the what do they say, the twelfth hour or something like that, you know? It was, it was kind of tight, but sometimes God does that with us. But anyway, uh, I'm going to pray because um, what needs to be brought out here, I think uh, God needs to really be directing it. So Heavenly Father, I, I just thank you for this uh, time that you've given us to talk about this topic. And Lord, I, I just pray for wisdom that I speak your words only, Lord and uh, that it comes across with clarity, Lord, and that uh, it enables uh, all of us to be helped in some way in understanding a little bit more about the uh, fivefold ministry. In Jesus' name, we pray that, Lord. Amen. So I I never thought I'd be starting a sermon with a philosopher, uh, an ancient philosopher, whose name was Plato. But Plato, uh, he said that there were actually five different types of government in the world. And he started out with uh, a government that was led by one, or ruled by just one good person. And that one good person, that would be called a, he called it a monarchy. And he said, there's another government where you are the, you're ruled by a few good people. And that would be an aristocracy. And then there's a government where the people rule, called a democracy. We're, in America, sort of a democracy. Uh, we're really a republic because we vote in the people. But we, we are, in that uh, a truest sense, also a democracy. And then mm-hmm. uh, you can be ruled by a few bad men. And that would be called an oligarchy and then uh, finally you could be ruled by one bad man and that would be tyranny so looking at all of this and looking at the fivefold ministry that we're starting to talk about what type of government does the church have anybody want to take a guess amen why are we a monarchy? Because we're not we're not ruled by the fivefold ministry. We are ruled by God, by Jesus Christ. So it is it is a monarchy. And I, I I brought that illustration out because I want to make that clear that the apostles and the prophets and the pastors and teachers they're not the the rulers of the church. Okay, they they are put into into leadership for reasons, according to the giftings that God gives gives each of them, but it's not as a rulership really. God is our head, and we always we always have to keep that in mind. It's really really important uh, as we go through that. I I was talking to a a friend of mine and uh, a Christian friend, and this is probably going back about a year ago. And I was telling her at that time uh, of how Tim was beginning to step down and Jay was moving up into, as to being pastor. And she knew that Jay and I had been elders at the time. And she said, oh, does that mean you're next in line to move up into pastorship? And I said, man, she really missed the whole idea of, of what that fivefold ministry is. Because we are not a corporation as a church. We're not ruled the way the rest of the world is ruled and we don't, you know, fight our way up to the top, so to say. I mean, if you consider pastor, apostle, whatever it is, up at the top, we don't, we're not fighting to to get up the top. We're not trying to do the best thing that we can so that people, you know, it looks good for everybody in everybody's eyes and then we get up there. All right. God sets us. Uh, according to the way he has created us. He has given us uh, giftings and functions within the body. Now, some of the functions are leadership functions, and then other functions are not, but we all have functions and we all have giftings. So I just want to... Before I start talking about apostle, and just to, to get to that point where we understand that, and another question—not hopefully not a trick question—but who is the who is the first apostle? Okay, there Michael, Michael yelled it out, and Jesus was our—he's our example. So I'm going to use Jesus a little bit this morning an understanding of what an apostle really uh, does. And we have to understand that uh, the definition, basically, that, I mean, if you look it up in in, in a dictionary, the definition of an apostle is just one who is sent out. And, of course, when you look at Jesus, God sent him. God the Father sent Jesus. And that's why he's the first apostle. But it is clear in Scripture, too, in Hebrews 3, 1, it says he is uh, the apostle and the high priest of our confession. So the, the Bible does make it clear that he is apostolic. But we know Jesus had all five of the ministries that we're going to be talking about over the next uh, few months. Okay. Uh, now, if it's one who is sent out, who sends out? the people who who sends out the apostles and we do have a little bit of distinction in in the bible because in while jesus was on this earth he was the one that sent out you know he picked his his disciples and then he he chose 12 of them to send them out so the the first 12 apostles not counting jesus now the first 12 apostles were sent out by jesus and that's you know, uh, in Matthew uh, chapter 10. But if we look in Acts chapter 13, and I'm going to go there uh, first. Acts chapter 13. And I'm going to read uh, verses 1 through 4. If you want to follow in there, that's great. And if not, you can just listen. It says, Now in the church that was at Antioch, There were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Okay, So there were certain men who were sent out. That makes them the apostle. The church sent them out, but under the guidelines of the Holy Spirit. They fasted and prayed to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit led them to pick which men uh, uh, were to be sent out. I wanted you to notice something else about this. Barnabas was one of the men, one of the apostles, who was sent out. And if you look back up at 13, verse 1, It says there were certain prophets and teachers. Barnabas, being a prophet and a teacher, now he's an apostle too. Okay, so a person who is an apostle doesn't necessarily mean that they don't have any other ministry. That's They're just apostles. Okay, he was a prophet and he was also a teacher. I mean, Paul is our best example. Paul was an apostle, but he was also a great teacher. Okay, so those things, uh, just to notice in there that uh, that that's true. Okay, so what what does a apostle do when he is sent out? And let's go to 1 Corinthians, chapter three, and we'll find an answer to that question. See if I can find it here. 1 Corinthians 3, and we're going to be looking at verse 10, or at least starting there. Okay? Now, this is Paul talking to the church at Corinth. It says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, which is what an apostle does. He's a master builder. It says, I have laid the foundation, and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Now it's important the next verse because it tells you what that foundation is. Okay? He's not building on the foundation of the fivefold ministry. He's not building on the foundation of the pastor in that in that church. He's saying, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid. Which is Jesus Christ. It is really important that the, that, the, that foundation be laid. And I, I, I look at it as an example. Um, I have seen through the years that I've been a Christian many churches where a pastor, for one reason or another, leaves the church, retires, or, uh, Uh, leaves for other reasons that might not be something that you really want want too much to hear about. But a lot of times when pastors leave the church, half the church leaves. And you have this big split in the church. And you see it happening over and over and over again. It doesn't happen in every church, but it does happen in some churches. And that was one of the things that I did not see happen here at Bridge Builders as Tim stepped down and Jay moved up. And I think that just shows that for Tim and Jay in preaching here, they laid the foundation of Jesus Christ. The foundation was not on the pastor. The foundation was Jesus Christ. And I think that's really important to see that because when the foundation is Jesus Christ, you know your foundation, your 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 eyes are on him He's the solid rock, and you're not going to be concerned about what happens, you know, with the pastorship or anything else within the church, because God's our rock. And I also want you to see that it says the foundation was laid. Now, he builds a building. What does the building look like? Go back in in verse 9, just up one verse. It says, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's uh, building. It's us here that are the building that that Paul was building on. And like any apostle, he has to build. The foundation has to be Jesus Christ. And the building is going to be the people that that build it. So these are just great things to, to see and understand in that. I have to uh, tell you a a quick story. I was uh, at a retreat last weekend. That's why I wasn't here at church. And during the retreat, we, uh, at one point, we were in a circle. This is about 40 men now. We were in a circle, and we were sharing some things and praying. And at the end, Uh, One of the uh, fellows in the service, a gentleman about my age, had his son there who was probably about 30 years old. And his son had had, I think, three different surgeries on his knees. And the doctors could not, I mean, they could replace the knee, but they couldn't get rid of the pain. He was in constant pain over his knees and, you know, he could never be on his feet long or anything like that. And his dad, who was there, stood up at the end and he said, could we possibly pray for my son, you know, who was sitting in the group, uh, because, you know, he's always in pain. So we brought him into the middle of the circle and sat him in the chair and his dad said, any elders that are elders in their churches. Could you come up and lay hands on him while and 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 pray over him? So I got up and, and I went over and there were about five other elders who happened to be there. And so we were all laying hands on him and, and praying. And I, I, I close my eyes to pray usually when I'm, I'm doing something like that. So I didn't really wasn't aware of what was going on. At, but at the end, when we had finished praying, I opened my eyes and... Right in front of me was his dad. And his dad was on his knees with his arms wrapped around his legs. And you could see the intercession that was going on. I mean, the tears were coming down his eyes and he's just crying out to God. And God said to me, that's how much I love you. And this, this story, I mean, it was something that God showed me. But as I'm preparing this, this is the love that an apostle has for the people. That you know, we can't love as much as God loves, but he is our example. And you know how much you love your own children, and you would do anything for your own children. I mean, there's just practically nothing that could be asked that you wouldn't do, that you wouldn't hold up and do. But that's the, what an apostle does. That's the love that he has. And I want to show you this because Paul brings this out in the book of Colossians. So let's, let's go to Colossians chapter 2. We could start right at at verse 1 in chapter 2. It says, For I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you and those in Laodicea, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, To the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now I say this, lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, and as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. And you can see the love that's coming through and the care that the apostle has for for the body. It says in verse 8, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy... And empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Again, Paul directing the people to Christ. Okay? And just beware, because it's so easy for us to be deceived. There's so much out there today Books, magazines, the internet. There's so many things out there where we can go and look and we can be deceived. It looks good, you know, but it's, it's, not, it's not healthy stuff because it doesn't measure up to what's in, in Scripture. And that's why we have to be in here all the time. We have to be in, in, in the Word. Because if we're not, we're going to be reading something and it's going to sound good because things can sound good according to the world. And, or according to traditions, and as I said before, according to you know just the way government is set up, and it's real easy to kind of mix that right into the church and set up the church the same way. And we just have to be careful not not to get into that into that thing. Okay. Now, once an apostle is sent out, are they on their own? And the answer to that is no, we're, they're not on their own. They actually, if they're sent out by a church through the uh, leading of the Holy Spirit, they need to come back to the church and report what, they, what they've been doing. And this, was, this happened in Scripture a number of times. Let's go into Acts, and we'll see that. Acts chapter 14. Verses, uh, we'll start with 20, verse 26, Acts 14:26. And again, this was some of the apostles sent out and Paul was being there. It says, From there they sailed, sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work which they had completed. Now, when they had come and gathered the church together... They reported all that God had done with them, and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. Okay, so he came back to the church and reported all that had been done. And there, I mean, if you send somebody out, don't you want to, you know, find out what happened while they were out there? You know, we want to get that report back with maybe praying while, while they're out there doing something, and we want to get that report and find out what they're doing. And that's what Paul did. He came back and gave the report. In, in chapter 15, on this, and at least in my Bible, it's on the same page. Um, we look at uh, verse 4, and they traveled from that church now to Jerusalem. And it says, And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles, and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. Okay, so they're reporting back to all of the church, all of the people in there, so they get an understanding of what they've been doing and what's going on and what things do we need to be, to, to be praying about. Now, there is a possibility that you can have false apostles. People that say they're apostles. I was thinking of this, and you know, how do we present this? And I'll show it to you in scripture. But I was thinking, if somebody walked into our church one day, and Bridge Builders came first time, and said, "Hi, uh, I'm Apostle John." You know, in my mind, I'm saying, "That's great. Would you please sit down here for about a year, and we'll decide whether or not you are an apostle or not, because an apostle." Uh, because it 's a function, we would want to see somebody functioning as an apostle it 's not, not a title it 's not something that um, you know well', we'll you know he 'll have an office now that says Apostle John on it, and uh, you know he 'll be able to minister the you know none of this because that 's the way sometimes we see things through here. Uh, I am very big on no titles in in the church because I I, I feel that all of the giftings that God gives us are functions and we just function in them and and that we shouldn't really be, you know, titling. So um, I I don't even like the title pastor. You know, it's just not something that to me is is supposed to be there. Jay knows this, you know. I mean, we've talked about this before and I used to talk about it with Tim all the time too. And not to, you know, to degrade anybody that uses the title, you know, I I belong in an organization, the Gideon organization, that honors pastors every year. You know, we have a dinner for our local pastors, and um, we usually have about a dozen or so pastors come to the dinner, and you know, it's a pastor this and pastor that, you know, and the, and the Gideons are really big on that, but you know, I just to me I I like. To look at it as more of a, a, a function or a gifting rather than as a title. But it's the same thing with Apostle. Uh, I just, I, I would feel, I would cringe if somebody walked in and said, I'm Apostle John. Because to me, it's like, well, you know, let's see you function in that for a while. So let's look and see uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 11, verse 13. Okay, actually, I'll start at 12. It says, but what I do, I will also continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded just as we are in the things of which they boast. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light okay so we we have to actually be able to recognize the giftings in people okay uh, i think when jay before jay became pastor i think many of us recognized the giftings in him already it was there okay he didn't become a pastor a year ago because we you know appointed him as pastor because he's had those giftings all along it's there okay it's something that God has placed in him, and it's the same with an apostle if somebody is an apostle it's a gifting that God has placed in them, and then they' they- hopefully they function in in that um, I know in revelation the uh Ephesus was commended by God for recognizing false apostles. It was one of the things that uh God actually commended the the uh Uh, that the church in Ephesus for doing. So what we want to do is we want to be able to recognize giftings. And these giftings, we each have them. And, you know, if we abide in Christ and his word abides in us, God's going to show us the giftings and the functions that we have. And that's what we need to just be aware of because everybody out there has different giftings and functions and uh, some of you are already operating in them and, and some of you uh, might not know all of what they are right now. Uh, sometimes God shows us things along the way. So uh, something that you're, a gifting that you're operating in might not, right now might grow or change Uh, in the sense that you'll find there there are other things that God's showing you. So we really need to be constantly in His Word, but we also need to be abiding in Him so that we can hear His ever still voice. And that's what I'd like to pray right now for each of us. Heavenly Father, we thank You. Thank You for what You show us in Your Word. Thank You for the things that You show us in, in other ways. We pray Lord that Uh, as we move on, that we will regularly and in every way abide in You, that we will be in Your Word, that we will be listening to Your ever still voice, that we may, as You did, Jesus, while You were on this earth, live in the bosom of the Father, that we would live there also. And that as we do, that we would hear what you would have to say to us, that we would know what your will is, what your plans are, what your purposes are for each one of us, and that we may act in that, Lord, so that uh, we know our salvation doesn't depend on this, Lord, but uh, our pleasing of you may depend on some of this, and not only in pleasing you, but also in bringing many uh, to uh, the salvation message. Uh, as we um, uh, act in the the gifts that you have given us. So help us, Lord, in the future as uh, as we go on and uh, enable us to uh, just fulfill those things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.